How is everybody? Um, here we are again, still doing the, the online thing. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Hope everyone's staying safe. Hope everyone is uh, taking care of themselves. I don't know if anyone else is struggling with uh, eating too much, but um, uh, I've learned a lot about myself during the last month or so, and um, I'm constantly reminded that I need help with self-control, and I don't know if anyone else is struggling with that um, out there. So today's a little bit different um, in a lot of ways. It's, it's a lot different because it's the first resurrection weekend, Easter weekend, um, I think ever, that we have not been able to meet as a corporate body, as a church. Um, that being said, I, I hope that the lesson that we learn from this is that uh, it's not about a building that we are together in spirit, we're together as one church, um, not just in a building, but one church globally, not even just in our community, but everywhere. So I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're taking care of yourself. If you're watching this and you don't know really what today is, uh, you may hear about Easter. You know, we know a little bit about Easter. We know that we get a bunch of chocolate and uh, isolation and extra chocolate is a, is a really dangerous combination. And so... Um, but what makes today special is this is kind of the pinnacle of all Christian days. This is the pinnacle of, of all of Christian celebrations. This is a really, really important day to believers. And if you're watching this and maybe you're not a believer yet, or maybe you're a new believer and just don't know how big of a deal this weekend is, um, it's the biggest deal. It's kind of the, 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 the pinnacle, the peak of, of everything that Christianity celebrates so here's what I hope to do today. Uh, we've been going through the book of Matthew, and um, I think we're going to be on chapter 8 when we pick it up next week. So we've been going through the book of Matthew, and I'm going to take a break from that today, and I'm going to teach a little bit differently than I normally teach. I'll usually take a chapter, we'll read a little bit, and we'll kind of break it down, and I'm going to do some of that today. But here's what I hope to do, and it's going to sound like a lot, but I, I promise I'm not going to keep you all afternoon, even though we might not have much else to do. Uh, I'm gonna take this book, this is the Bible, and we're going to basically run through about 70% of it. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm gonna briefly go from the Old Testament and kind of give an, an overarching view of what God was trying to communicate and what the Old Testament was pointing to, which is what we're celebrating this weekend. And then I'm gonna end on a very unique story about two guys walking down a road and Jesus, three days after he had been crucified, showed up on the street, and he has a conversation with these two guys on a road to their hometown. And so we're going to start off real far away, right, if you will, talking about the God that created everything. And by the end of the lesson, we're going to zoom in. And here's going to be kind of my point today, that the creator, right, the God that spoke everything into existence, the one that created the earth that we're standing on and the solar system and the stars that we see in the sky and everything, right? That that God is a personal God. That the creator is a person that walks with us, talks with us, knows everything about us and wants to have a deep relationship with us. That's what I hope to accomplish today. And by the end of this, I think, I think it'll be a really pertinent lesson for kind of the season that we're in is, is humanity right now, Okay. So I'm going to pray. We're going to start at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, and we're going to work through some different stuff, and we're going to end up in what is called the book of Luke. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to jump around a little bit today, not normally what I do, but all the scripture will be up on the, on the screen. If you have the Experience Community app, all of that will be written out for you. So you don't have to flip around in a Bible, even though I love for you to do that because it gets you a little bit more comfortable with knowing where stuff is in the Bible. But if you don't have a Bible, Get the app. All the notes will be on there. All the scripture will be on there. If you're watching online, the notes should be on our website, experiencecc.com. And uh, so everything should be in uh, uh, pretty good working order and ready for us to go today, okay? So I hope you're uh, getting an opportunity to spend some time with God. I hope you're getting an opportunity to spend some time with your family. And I hope, even though it's a little bit different right now, I hope that what God teaches us from the lesson today and from the word. I hope that it encourages you today and I hope it speaks to your heart. So let me pray and um, we'll jump into the word today, okay? 
Father, Lord, I love you. God, I thank you, Jesus. God, it is a, a, an interesting time that we're in right now, Lord. And God, we don't wanna look at that begrudgingly. We don't wanna look at that and shake our fist at the sky and complain about what we don't have, God. But Lord, I pray that during this time we can learn. We can learn about you. We can learn about us. We can maybe prioritize things a little bit differently and God, that we'll come out of this time better. Lord, we pray for every church in our city. I pray for every pastor, God, and every congregation. Lord, we pray for churches in our nation, churches in our world. Lord, we pray, God, this sounds so crazy, Lord, but we just pray for humanity right now, Lord, that you would get our attention, Lord, that you would wake us up and that we could see that, Lord, you're not a distant God. You're a personal God, Lord, walking with us right now. Father, we love you. We thank you. Be with me as I do my best to to teach this Easter weekend lesson, this resurrection weekend lesson, God. And I pray that people are blessed by not what I say, God, but by what your word says. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're gonna start at the very beginning, guys, almost. Starting in Genesis chapter three. Let me read you a little bit, and I'm gonna go back and kind of explain the context of what's going on. It says this in chapter three, verse eight of Genesis. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So then the Lord God turned to the serpent and he says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat the dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, what in the heck is going on there? Now, listen, if you've never read this before, and I would dare say most people, even if you're not a Christian, you're gonna be roughly familiar with, with what I'm gonna talk about. So right before chapter three of Genesis, we have the creation story. This is where God creates the heavens and the earth. This is where we see the depth and the power of God. God creates the universe in Genesis one and two. He creates uh, uh, the wildlife. He creates the, the atmosphere and vegetation. We have hundreds of thousands of different kinds of species of mammals and aquatic animals and birds and insects. And we have all of this amazing, beautiful stuff that God creates in Genesis one and two but the pinnacle of everything that God created was not the solar system. It wasn't the earth or all the animals or the beautiful vegetation. The pinnacle of everything God made was you. It was mankind. It was humanity. Now, it's interesting. I was just looking last night. I was having a hard time sleeping, and I was looking at there are these, these new NASA photos of Jupiter, these high-resolution pictures of Jupiter. And when they're in color, Jupiter, this massive gas planet, looks like this oil painting that is constantly swirling and moving. It is beautiful and powerful and mesmerizing, but that's not the pinnacle of God's creation. It is humanity. Why is humanity the pinnacle of God's creation? Why? Because we resemble God. Not only do we resemble God, we have a spirit, which means we're the only eternal things besides God. That means that humanity is above the environment. We're above the wildlife. And that doesn't mean that we abuse those things. I would argue that it means that we should uh, be conservative with those things, that we should take care of the earth, that we should take care of wildlife because we have dominion over those things. And when we take care of the world that God has given us, it glorifies the Father. And so God not only made us his, his masterpiece, if you will, but he wanted to have a relationship with us. 
The Bible talks about that God would walk around in this beautiful environment that he had created for Adam and Eve, and he would talk with them, and he would commune with them, and he had this very intimate relationship with his creation. But as most of you know, I dare say everyone who's watching this has heard this story, right? In some way or another, we know that things got messed up. We know that Satan came into the picture. He deceived Adam and Eve. They were disobedient to God. And from that, we have the fall of mankind. That happens in Genesis chapter three. And we just read about it. So if you missed it though, the last part that I read to you though, there is a prophecy from God, if you will a foreshadowing from God that all of this is going to be made right, that this disconnect was going to be fixed. And that was going to come through a savior, through a Messiah, someone who, as God says, is going to strike the head of Satan. And he's going to come and repair this fractured relationship between God and humanity. So I told you I'm going to get through the whole Bible. Look how quickly I'm going to get through the Old Testament. If you have a Bible, this much of it, right? A ton of it. This is the entire Old Testament is basically this pursuit of God chasing after mankind, trying to get mankind to turn back to him. Now, the Old Testament is often called the law and the prophets. The reason why is because Moses wrote the first five books. That's called the law. And then virtually the rest of it is either history or prophets, And so what was taking place in the Old Testament was this courtship of mankind. And God would send messengers, prophets, right? He would send leaders to talk to the people, to talk to mankind and try to encourage them to come back to God, to restore this fractured relationship that they have with their creator. And they would also prophesy and they would say, one day God is going to send this savior, right? Referring back to Genesis chapter three, in almost virtually every book of the Bible alludes to the fact that one day Jesus is going to come and he's going to set this straight. That God was going to have to personally intervene into this relationship and this dysfunction with humanity. So in light of seeing what the Bible says about God, that he is the creator. He's the one that spoke it all into existence, that he even created mankind. One would wonder, why would a God so powerful and so big, why would he humble himself? Why would he come down, right? And not only be with mankind, but be one of us, right? Not only live amongst us, but, but actually be like us in some ways. But that's exactly what God did. In the form of Jesus Christ, he came as a human and he was going to live. He was going to give us the perfect example of how to live. And he was even going to give his life for his people. One of those prophets in the Old Testament was Isaiah. And we get so much from the book of Isaiah, such a dense, beautiful, powerful, complicated book. But one of the things that Isaiah says is he talks about Jesus coming and not only talks about Jesus coming, he talks about the death of Jesus, how Jesus is going to give his life because humanity had gotten so off track. This is what he writes. Isaiah says, yet he himself bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. He was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities, our sinful lifestyles, punished for our peace, and by his wounds were healed. That means eternally healed, forever healed. What's interesting is this, though. A lot of people think the death of Jesus Christ, the cross, right? Everyone knows what a cross is, even though we've used it for all kinds of things that are, that are not Christian at all. Everyone knows what the cross is for the most part, but that is not the crescendo. That is not the pinnacle of human history. It is not Jesus's death that is the most important thing that has ever happened. It is his resurrection. 
It's what happened a couple of days after his death. And that's what today is celebrating. Not that Jesus died, but that Jesus rose again. Now, let me go to the book of Luke and let me read you something real quick. So if you were in the book of Genesis, go way into the New Testament, into the gospels, to the book of Luke, towards the back of Luke. Let me read you a little bit. Luke says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone had rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and they bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was with you in Galilee, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the 11, that's the disciples, and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he only saw the linen clothes. So he went away amazed at what had happened. So what is taking place here? What has happened is, is Jesus had been crucified, right? The Jewish council, which was called the Sanhedrin, they were afraid of Jesus. They disagreed with Jesus. They saw Jesus as a threat to their religious order. So they turned him over to the Roman government. The Roman government just wanted to, to keep things, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome in this, in this area of Jerusalem. So they had him crucified to appease the Jewish mob. And so Jesus had been put in a tomb. A rich man named Joseph of Arimathea paid and gave a piece of his land so Jesus could be put in a tomb. And three days after his death, several women were able to go and perform proper burial rites for Jesus. Now there would have been a couple of guards there but what has happened, and one of the other gospels tells us that the angels had, had basically not killed, but struck these men down, right? They had, they'd basically passed out and they were not there anymore. So when the women show up, these three very close supporters and followers of Jesus on Sunday, they came to perform their proper burial rites. And when they approached the tomb, they didn't see the guards and they saw that the millstone would have been a huge stone had been moved away and the body of Jesus was gone. They didn't see it. So they were perplexed, right? Imagine if you walked up to a grave, it was empty, right? No one's around, the casket is open. All you see is some clothes in there of what the person was wearing that you thought was dead. They were perplexed. And at that moment, it says that two men appeared, more than likely angels, right? So these angels appeared and they asked the women, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And so they had missed it. I'm going to say this like three more times in this lesson. All the people that we're going to read about today in Luke chapter 24, they missed it. What I mean by that is they should have been expecting the resurrection and so the angels even say, hey, ladies, don't you remember when you were in Galilee with Jesus? Jesus told you exactly that this was going to happen. He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be killed and he was going to resurrect. You should know this. So the women are like, oh yes, we, okay, we remember. So they run back to the other disciples, right? It says the 11 because Judas had, had taken his life, one of the 12, and there was 11 original disciples left. 
So they run and they find the 11. They say, you won't believe it. We went to perform the burial rites. Jesus has risen from the grave. And of course, they didn't believe him. I say, of course, because guys, we have to, you know, it's really easy for us to read that and say, I, I cannot believe that they didn't believe those women. Imagine if someone came to you and said, hey, I know so-and-so has been dead for three days, but I went to the grave and they're not there. So we have to give some grace here. I, I don't know if I would have believed either. But we have Peter. <laughs> if you don't know anything about Peter, if you're, if you're maybe new to the Christian faith or maybe not a Christian at all, Peter is one of those really fascinating characters in the Bible. Peter was the impulsive guy that would always act and then kind of be like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. You know, there's one time when he cut a guy's ear off because he was trying to protect Jesus, which is kind of funny in and of itself. Cuts a guy's ear off and the story goes in the gospel that Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on the soldier and says, hey, Peter, let's, let's not cut ears off, right? You know, like calm down a little bit. So the ladies go in. They tell all the disciples, all of them are like, you're crazy, except for Peter. And for the first time in the, in the Bible, we see that Peter's impulsivity, right? The fact that he's so impulsive actually works out to his advantage. He takes off running, right? Runs to the grave. It's interesting in the gospel of John, I believe, John also ran with him. And in the gospel of John, it says that John ran a little bit faster. I think it's funny that he threw that in. But anyways, Peter gets to the grave, stoops down, looks in, and all he sees is the clothes folded up nicely right there in the corner. And it says that he walked out and it said he was amazed. So what had happened? We go back to the beginning of the entire Bible. Humanity had became so broken. We had become so distant from God that God not only came he lived, he gave the example. Jesus died for our sins, he died for our brokenness, and now we see that he has risen again. Not only did Jesus rise, though, later on in the Bible, and I'm not gonna get to it today, but God pours out his spirit onto his believers, and that's how we achieve, or not achieve, but that's how we have eternal life. That's how we're granted eternal life. So what makes today so special? What makes this weekend so special is the pinnacle of not just Christian history, the pinnacle of history is not the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today. That it's not that Jesus died. Listen, any good person can die for people that they love. There have been millions of good people that have died for the love of family or the love of country or the love of even for strangers because they're good men and women. But there was only one that could die and be resurrected and live again. And that was Jesus. And that's what we celebrate. Now, again, we're gonna be honest today. We're gonna talk real honest and especially in the next part that I read. If you're anything like me, if you're on the news enough or social media enough or just walking around, right? One can step back and even the most oblivious person in the world can recognize how depraved humanity is. And when we recognize how depraved and broken, and pardon my language, just screwed up that we can be, I don't know if anyone else has done this, but I sit back sometimes and I'm like, God, I can't believe that you would go to the lengths that you've gone to for us. We are terrible, but he loves us. And the reason why Jesus would not only come and live and die, but also resurrect, the reason that God would go through these links is because God sees something in us that we don't even see in ourselves. God sees our true value. And going back to Genesis 1 and 2, the creation of this entire universe, God sees this universe and he zooms in on you. And he zooms in on me. And he wants to have a relationship with this speck, right? This speck. That's you and I. That's why God went to the lengths that he went to. Now, let me show you something. 
These next couple of parts that I read, this is fascinating to me because we're gonna see this huge God that created the universe zoom in on a couple of individuals. This is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, okay? It says, now that same day, now that's the same day that the women saw the empty tomb. That same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then Jesus asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and they looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered Jesus and he said, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has happened these days? Jesus says, what things? <laughs> so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen visions of angels, and the angels said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. They didn't see the body. Now, think of a movie that flashes over to the same time, but at a different place. So the same day that the women had found the empty grave, flash over a couple of miles away, you have some guys who are leaving Jerusalem on their way back home to Emmaus. A couple of miles, they're walking, they're taking their time, they're talking, and they're discussing what had just happened, okay? So it says they were discussing and arguing. Interesting. And in the middle of this discussion, in the middle of this kind of heated debate, whatever they were arguing about, right? Jesus just kind of shows up, <laughs> starts walking with them, and it says that they were prevented from recognizing him. So, so God kind of like clouded their eyes, right? As Jesus showed up and he talks with them. So I, I love how Jesus interacts with people. Jesus, and, and it's funny, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, but like, God's got a sense of humor. God thinks things are funny, and sometimes you see God being a little, or Jesus being a little sarcastic, a little sassy at times. And so this is one of these interesting moments where we really kind of see the personality of Jesus. Jesus walks up as these guys are walking, they're talking, he just kind of pops in and says, hey, what you guys talking about? <laughs> he knew, of course, right? He knows everything. And the two men, it says that they were so dumbfounded by the question that they actually stopped. They stopped, they looked discouraged, they looked at Jesus, they didn't recognize who he was, and they basically said, are you the only guy in town that doesn't know what's going on? Are you clueless? Have you been living under a rock, right? Well, actually, kind of had been, right? So anyways, so they look at him and they're like, well, where have you been? And I love his response, he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. What, what things are you discussing? Now, why would Jesus, and again, I don't mean this disrespectfully, why would Jesus play dumb in this conversation? I believe the reason why Jesus kind of showed up, kind of incognito, if you will, the reason why he was asking questions that he already knew the answers to, the reason why he kind of played dumb and acted like he didn't know what they were talking about, was Jesus wanted to make sure that these men were discussing the right things. Here's where this starts to, the, the rubber starts to meet the road for us. Jesus was leading them to identify the main subject of the conversation. What does that mean? That means that right now, a lot of people are talking about grief. 
They're talking about loss. They're talking about fear. They're talking about economics. They're talking about politics. They're talking about what all the implications of what's going on is going to be. And I'm sure that these two men were walking down the road arguing. What does this mean? They just killed this innocent man. What does that mean about our government? What does that mean about our economics? What does that mean about our personal lives? We followed this man. What does this mean for us? Jesus shows up and says, you should just be focusing on Jesus. You should just be focusing on the main point of everything that is going on right now. And the main point is not us. The main point is not the government or the economy. The main point is what about Jesus? What about Jesus of Nazareth? the powerful prophet in action and speech before God and man. What about him? And so what Jesus was trying to do in that conversation was trying to get to the core of those men. He was trying to get to the point. What is the most important thing? Where should we all be looking in times of trouble? Jesus. Isn't this what Jesus does? Right now, guys. Jesus is walking with us right now saying, hey, Remember the point. Hey, remember who you should be looking at. Not Fox News, not CNN. Look at me, right? Don't just be looking at your stock market every day. Don't just be looking at this every day. I'm not saying that all those things are bad, but Jesus is walking with us trying to reveal the main point, the truth, right? Not just the deepest truth about him, but the deepest truth about us. What are we afraid of? What are we focused on? That's why Jesus acted the way he did. And now we start to get to it, right? The men say, well, we thought that he was the one. We thought that he would redeem our people. What does that mean? We use that word redeem a lot in church. I don't think we always know what it means. To redeem means to liberate, to set free, to purchase back, to get something out of debt to save. What these men were looking for was an exodus. Guys, I hope we don't miss this. These men walking down the road knew that the world around them had enslaved them. The government, the economy, the politics, even the religion. And they were looking to be set free from those things. And it's exactly what we're looking for today. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus opened up the door through his resurrection for us to be redeemed. But we often miss it because we're focused on so many distractions. So the women had missed it. The disciples had missed it, the 11. And now these guys had missed it too. So as they tell incognito Jesus about the women that saw the empty tomb, Peter running to go check it out as well. It's revealed to us that these men were also followers of Jesus and they should have also known the Old Testament prophecies. They should have seen these things unfolding in front of their eyes. But listen, this is where these guys got into trouble. They were on their way back to Emmaus. They were on their way. They were traveling. Listen to this. They were traveling down a road back to something safe, and back to something familiar. Now that really hits home right now. Do we miss Jesus moving in our lives because we just want to get back to something comfortable and easy? Think about that one for a second. Let's read the next part. Jesus said to them, how foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was gonna go further. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. 
but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? And that very hour they got up, they returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those with them gathered together who said the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon, that's Peter. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he had made known, how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. So Jesus listens to these two men, right? They're telling Jesus about all the things that have happened. Well, we thought he was the savior. We thought he was going to be the one, basically insinuating that he wasn't the one. And Jesus had had enough at that time, right? He gets a little sassy right here. Jesus says the evidence from the Old Testament, the things that had unfolded that week should have been enough for a real follower of God to see and to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus is gracious and Jesus is extremely compassionate. Instead of just chewing them out and beating them over the head with this, Jesus says, let me walk you back through the scripture. Let me remind you of what the word of God says and let me show you why Jesus did resurrect, why the Savior did come. And so he talks to them and he explains to them and he walks with them. So as they walk and talk, they actually started to enjoy the conversation, right? They're having this conversation with Jesus. He's enlightening them into the scripture, reminding them about their foundation and everything that God has done from centuries and centuries back. And as they, it starts to get a little bit later, they start to trust this unknown traveler. And as night was approaching, they say, hey man, stay with us. You can stay the night here and travel on further if you want to later. You can get some food with us. And so at this point, the relationship had changed. They trusted the traveler so much so that they invited him in. This is so important. They invited him in to eat, to break bread, and to talk deeper. In Revelation chapter three, verse 20, Jesus says, this is what we all need to do. That Jesus stands at the door and he knocks that we're to open up the door, invite him in. And it says that he will come in, he'll eat with us. He'll talk with us. And this is what the men did literally. We're supposed to do that spiritually with God. These men did it literally. Come in, eat with us, talk with us. And what's fascinating is the guest, Jesus, actually became the host. So they're sitting down for dinner, right? And bread was always a big part of dinner in this time. Jesus takes the bread. And at that point, they're probably like, what's he doing? He breaks it. He prays for it and blesses it. And he distributes it. And it's at that moment when the bread was broken and he gave it to them that they were like, oh my God, that's not blasphemous. You can actually say that as Jesus. Oh my God, right? It's him, it's him. And right when they recognized him, poof, he was gone. This is so important and I hope you catch this. It is through the willingness to want to talk to Jesus. It is through the willingness to want to hear the word of God and the truth. It is the willingness to hear the truth and it is the invitation to let Jesus into our personal space. It is only then that we really start to recognize the biblical Jesus. What that means is this. We may have all these different notions of Jesus and even concoct these ideas of who Jesus is in our own mind, but the only way we will recognize the true biblical Jesus is when we take the time to want to hear the truth. That means the word of God, to hear what God has to say to us. And it's when we take the time to invite him into the deepest corners of our personal space. That's when we will start to recognize who Jesus truly is. That's what happened. And again, it says right when they recognized him, he was gone. Right when they realized who they were hanging out with. And you know what's interesting? It says right after they realized it, then they kind of recalled and they said, man, even when we didn't recognize him, listen to this. I hope you hear all the amazing truths that come out of this lesson. They said, even when we didn't know it was Jesus, something was stirring in our hearts when he was walking with us on the road, when he was talking about the scriptures, something was happening in us. 
So they got up, they took off back to Jerusalem. They wanted to tell everyone there that Jesus had opened up their eyes and they wanted to share and they wanted to say, the women were right. Peter was right. They're all right. We saw him face to face. And they wanted to share their story about this newfound clarity that Jesus was the resurrected Savior. Here's what I wanted to do today. I feel like maybe I ran through the first half of this a little too fast. But I wanted to get to this part at the end, and here's why. There is a God, the only God, the God that I hope that you serve or at least contemplating serving. There is a God that is so powerful he could speak the entire universe into existence. I keep talking about these images from Jupiter. Look at those today. After you hear this message, Google that and look at these images and look at the the size ratio of Jupiter to Earth and how complex, just look at that. That's just one planet that God created. We have this entire universe that God is so powerful, he could speak it into existence. Yet we serve a God that is so personal that he walks down the street with a couple of his followers and he talks to them. He asks some questions. He spends time with them. He breaks bread with them. So not just a personal God, powerful, personal, and not just powerful and personal, he's loving. Jesus came to be the ransom for our redemption, to pay the price to get us out of the slavery that is found in all different facets of the world, to buy back Jesus came to buy back the lost connection, the connection that humanity had with God that we messed up. He didn't mess it up. We messed it up. And Jesus came to build the bridge between God and mankind. So let me ask you today, and this may be a little bit different from Easter services that you've heard in the past, where it's everyone wearing pastel pink and throwing iPads out of helicopters. We don't do garbage like that. I hope that we can use this opportunity to really ask ourselves some difficult questions. So the first one is this, what prohibits us seeing Jesus? What prohibits us seeing the truth? Maybe the problem is that we haven't even looked for it. A lot of us get into the word of God, but when we start reading things that don't jive up with our lifestyle, we push away because honestly, we don't want the truth. We want a manufactured truth. I want a Corey truth. I want a truth that works out best for what I want. So maybe the reason why we haven't seen Jesus is we're not even looking for him. We're not looking for everything he presents through his word. Are we looking for truth regardless of what that truth says to us? Maybe we don't see Jesus right now because a lot of you are afraid. Listen, I'm not telling you to like, run around and hang out with a bunch of people right now. I'm not telling you to like break government mandates and go out and hang out in parks. And I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I know we need to be wise and I know we need to be smart. But fear has blinded a lot of us right now. Anger has blinded a lot of us right now. Frustration has blinded a lot of us right now. Grief has blinded a lot of us. Maybe not the loss of a loved one, but a loss of a lifestyle a loss of a livelihood, a loss of material possessions or a way of life that we were so comfortable with. And we don't see God because we're focused on these things. Maybe we don't see Jesus because we're distracted. How many hours are you logging away on that phone in front of that computer screen? Maybe we don't see God because we're just flat out lazy or apathetic. We just don't care anymore. Or, guys, this is one that really hit home with me. Like the two men walking back to Emmaus, maybe we don't see Jesus in this current circumstances that we're in right now because we just wanted to get back to a place to where it's comfortable and easy and familiar. I hear so many people right now saying, man, I just wanted to go back to the way it was. Really? Now, don't get me wrong. I wanted to get back to a time when I can go to Starbucks I want to get back to a time when I can just go over to people's houses and hang out and not have to worry about sneezing or coughing. Don't get me wrong. I want to go back to those things. 
but I'm not sure if I want the world to go back exactly the way it was. We were too comfortable. Christianity was too comfortable. A lot of us were too comfortable. We were in a place of too much ease and too much familiarity. And I feel like God needed to pull us out of that space for a while. Maybe we don't see God because we're just wanting to get back to a place that we are comfortable with. Maybe we need to learn a better lesson during this time. What prohibits our redemption, our freedom? Have we invited Jesus into our most personal spaces? Hey, walk into the deepest parts of my heart. Do we trust him with the the most cherished things in our lives? Do Do we trust him with the biggest decisions we have? Maybe that's why we haven't received freedom. Maybe we haven't received freedom. Maybe we haven't received redemption because we're not willing to have deep conversations with God. We're not willing to be intimate and personal with God. You know what? Sometimes we even have to have painful conversations with God. Sometimes God has to smack us around a little bit to wake us up, and we don't like that. That hurts. But God does that for our benefit. And we have to be willing. We're not going to receive freedom unless we allow God to get in deep into our lives. And sometimes that's painful. Do others not experience freedom because we don't tell people about freedom? We're so hyper-worried about offending everyone in our culture right now that we don't go out and share the love of Jesus Christ with people. We don't tell people. Look at how many testimonies were just in Luke chapter 24. The women, Peter, the two men walking to Emmaus, all these testimonies, right? Look what Jesus has done in my life, the resurrected Savior. Maybe a lot of people don't experience freedom because we're not telling them about freedom. So let me ask you this, and this has been on my mind so much during this time. I know that God is right next to me. Listen, I know that God is right next to you. He stands at the door and knocks, the Bible says. We always talk about finding God. God's not lost. We're lost. God is right next to us all the time. God knows exactly where we are. He is exactly where he wants to be. He is pursuing us right now, all of us. All of us. Can you see him? I'm not talking about with your physical eyes. I'm talking about with the eyes of your heart, right? Are we paying attention? Do we recognize that he's walking with us? Do we invite him in? If we do, will we respond to what he tells us to do? Today, today, whether you're watching this on Saturday or Sunday, this weekend we celebrate a risen Savior. If you're watching this right now and you feel like you're walking alone, You're walking frustrated. You're walking confused. You're walking lost. Maybe you're walking to something that you think is going to bring you comfort and ease, right? During times of trouble and confusion. If you feel confused or lost or broken or hurt, if you walk out tonight and if the sky is clear enough for you to see the stars, if you walk out tonight and you look at the moon that's in the sky, I want you to know that the same God that spoke that moon into existence, the same God that holds the balance of the solar system exactly where it needs to be, the God that holds the earth on its perfect axis so we can have the life as we know it on this earth to exist, the same God that created those stars that you look at tonight if the sky is clear enough, that same God is a personal savior that walks right next to us who's here to talk to us, who's here to listen to us, who's here to share us the truth, who's here to save us, who's here to help us and give us comfort, who's here to direct us, the same God who has an eternal home waiting for us if we will just walk with him and recognize him in this life. He came, he lived, he died, but that's not it. He resurrected on the third day. And he walks with us right now. Do you see him? Are you looking? If you're
you are watching this right now and you are not a Christian, you're not a believer, but God is doing something. Like I said earlier, even though we didn't recognize God, there was something stirring. If there's something stirring, I implore you, get a hold of us. We'll Zoom meeting with you. We'll FaceTime with you. We'll call you. We'll email you. Whatever we got to do, send us an email. Call our office. Get a hold of us. We would love to talk with you at this time. If you're in this room and maybe you call yourself a believer, but you have strayed. If you're being honest, we have just sought comfort, ease. If you're being honest, we have not looked in the right directions. We've gotten distracted. If you call yourself a Christian, but maybe we started walking down the wrong road, right? We need to turn around and go back. I hope today is a wake-up call. I hope this time right now is a wake-up call. I hope we can see a little bit more clearly during this time. As everything is stripped away from us, I hope that we start to look up. If you're not a Christian, get a hold of us. If you are a Christian in this room, we're gonna take communion together. What this represents is a lot of what we've talked about today. The bread represents the body of Jesus Christ. It was beaten and abused, crown of thorns forced on his head, nails driven through his hands and his feet. But because of that, by his stripes, the Bible says, we're healed. The juice, the wine, represents the blood that was shed for us, that that forgives our sins, that builds the bridge between us and God. That's what that wine represents. The atonement, the redemption, that all that we had messed up, God restores, if we will allow him to, if we will walk with him, invite him in, and spend time with him. Father, Lord, I want to thank you for this weekend. God, I want to thank you, Lord, for what this weekend represents. We thank you, Father, that you didn't just live and die, but that you you, you defeated death, you conquered death, and that now we have your spirit with us, God. As Ephesians 1.13 says that all that call on your name are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, God. Thank you. Lord, we take this bread right now to remember your body that was broken and beaten for us. Lord, we take this wine, God, as remembrance of your blood that was shed that pays for all the sins of humanity, God, that buys our freedom eternally. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed, and we take this as a remembrance of that blood. Father, I pray for everyone who's watching this right now. I pray for anyone who might be watching this who does not believe, God, I pray that you just start to stir in their hearts. All I pray, God, is that they look for the truth. Your word says if people seek the truth, they will find the truth. So my prayer for anyone on the fence right now watching this, God, is that they just keep looking. For those of us that have taken you for granted, forgive us. For those of us who have gotten our priorities wrong, forgive us. For those of us who have walked down roads discouraged because we have taken our eyes off you, forgive us, God. We love you. We thank you. You're good. And I pray that our eyes are open during this time. Reveal yourself to us, God. Pray all these things in your son's name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.